today? Isn't it a gorgeous morning this morning? Awesome, awesome. Hey, by the way, has anybody noticed kind of the cool stuff happening before church now? The tent and, my goodness, it looked like a buffet this morning. Donuts and fruit and there was even meat and cheese out there. Uh, let's, give that, let's give that team a hand for just what they're doing. Really, really appreciate it. Awesome. We're in a uh, series that uh, I think is pretty, uh, pretty at the heart of who we are at Life Church, and that is called Be Real, because fake is exhausting. How <laughs> many you know that being fake is exhausting? You ever try to put on a front for somebody? That takes a lot of work. So uh, we just don't really believe in faking a lot at, uh, at Life Church. So you can be who you are. We, you can talk like regular people, and you can look somewhat normal, although I looked around today, and I don't know what normal is anymore after looking at you guys. But anyway, uh, you can just be yourself. You can be real. And we talked about real people uh, last week, and we're going to continue that series and our text last week is the same as our text this week, because I only dealt with really the first sentence of the text. I'm going to just deal with the next sentence of the text uh, today, uh, and I'm going I'm to talk about something that's really uh, near and dear to my heart, and that is being a real church. I don't know about you, but I want to I be a part of a real church. And so we're going to talk about what that looks like. Mark chapter 12, verses 38 through 40 he, being Jesus, continued teaching, and by the way, I'm reading this from the, um, from the message, so it may read differently in your Bible. This is a paraphrase of the Bible, very modern English. Watch out for the religious scholars. They love to walk around in their academic gowns, preening in the radiance of public flattery, basking in prominent positions, sitting at the head table at every church function. And this is the sentence I'm going to deal with this week, because I think this is what fake church is. This next sentence. And all the time they are exploiting the weak and hopeless and helpless. And all the time they are exploiting the weak and helpless. So what the scripture is saying is these guys were preening around in their gowns, wanting to sit at head tables and all that kind of stuff. But all the while they were making their money off of the helpless and the poor. Now, now, I could preach a real negative sermon this morning talking about how dysfunctional that, that church has become, and I, I don't think I even have to preach that message because I think, you, you know, if you are aware and alive and around or you watch television, you, how many know that the church can sometimes take advantage of people, especially when it comes to the area of money? You know what I'm talking about? And uh, so that's, this is not a new thing. This was happening all the way in the New Testament and then, I'm not going to deal with this today, but the scripture we're reading says, the longer their prayers, um, and then I lost the rest of that passage. It's okay, because I'm not dealing with that today. I'll we'll deal with that next time. But anyway, so today we're going to deal with the fact that they take advantage of the weak and the helpless. But instead of doing that negatively, I want to do that positively. And before you do that, this, I'm going to just kind of um, throw this out here to everyone who grew up in church. And I'm going to do a top ten list, so I asked... Uh, Mark, if he'd give me a drum roll here, okay? These are the top ten evidences that you might have grown up in church. You might have grown up in church if on Halloween you didn't go trick-or-treating. Instead, you went to a hallelujah party. Number nine. 
if one of your friends got a piercing other than their earlobes and your first thought was, she's definitely going to hell. And you might have grown up in church if you ever had that thought. Number eight, by the way, we're not thinking that, okay? Just relax, all right? Every time you heard a loud rumble of thunder in the middle of the night, you thought it was the rapture. All right, you might have grown up in church number seven, and instead of calling adults Mr. and Mrs. Jackson, it was Brother Smith and Sister Jackson. Number six, the only R-rated movie you were allowed to watch was The Passion of the Christ. You might have grown up in the church if you had a cassette tape labeled Michael W. Smith, but it was actually MC Hammer mixtape because you'd never be allowed to listen to that. You might have grown up in the church if you thought everyone had a tattoo was going to hell. All right. You might have grown up in the church if you didn't go to parties. You went to fellowship. You might have grown up in the church if you knew that when the pastor said he was about to close, it meant he was going to keep preaching for another 30 to 45 minutes. And the number one evidence that you might have grown up in the church is if someone said, God is good, you responded with? And when they said it all the time, you responded with? That was like our secret handshake. Exactly. Yeah, all right, yeah. All right, I just had to start with that. Thank you, Mark. Good job, good job. All right. <laughs> and, so, and so the sentence, the sentence, how many could relate to that top ten list? I just thought it was hilarious because there's so many things in there. That just oh, scary, scary truth. <clears throat> All right. So the sentence that we are unpacking is this. Real people doing real ministry, praying real prayers to a real God. And uh, you'll notice that real ministry is, is, is highlighted because that's what, that's what we're going to emphasize today, doing real ministry. What's a real church that does real ministry? The first thing that I want to say is this. Real churches are the hope of the world. It's true. Real churches... What the world needs is not for a new Republican in the presidency or another Democrat in the presidency. The world doesn't need uh, all of that. What the world needs is some alive and healthy and real churches. I don't think you agree with that this morning. You either that or you haven't woke up yet. I'm saying that the hope of the world We got a com- we got a comedian on the lights this morning. My goodness, you better not upstage me, buddy. Real churches—that was fun. Real churches are the hope of the world. I really believe that, and, and I'm going to share with you some startling statistics because we take pride in the fact we take pride in the fact that we're in the Bible Belt. You know. We got restaurants like Cracker Barrel, you know, and you know, you can just got Christian literature all over the place and all that kind of stuff, and you even see people praying for their meals and stuff. What would you think? What would you think in Knoxville, Tennessee on this Sunday morning? What would you think? How many people you think are in church? What percentage of the population would you say is in church this beautiful morning here in the Bible Belt? Twenty-five. In nineteen ninety it was 26% in 1990. 
in the year 2000, it had dropped to 23%. 2010, it was estimated that 21% of the people were in church on a given Sunday. And by 2020, if the trends continue, 18% on this beautiful uh, uh, morning will be in church. Now, now, by the way, 40 to 50% of people would claim to be a part of a church. But there's something that when people take surveys where they have these surveys that say, you know, 40 or 50% of the people uh, go to church, there's something when people take a survey called a halo effect. The halo effect is that we, we over-report um, things that we think are good, like going to church. We'll, we'll answer on the test that, that we're better than we actually are. And like when it comes to negative things like drink too much and all that, we'll under-report that. So the statistics are always lower on that. Uh, and, and we over-report how often we go to church. But when you actually count people, how many people are actually in church on a given Sunday morning, the statistics are, I think, rather frightening. How many know that we need some healthy, real churches in this country? Amen. But real churches are not just the hope of the world. Real churches engage in real ministry. We read in the Bible this morning that, that these uh, priests were, were exploiting the weak and the helpless. You know that George Barnett took a survey and asked people, what is the purpose of the church? And 90% of the respondents said that the purpose of the church was to take care of the needs of me and my family. Whoever's got the most the children's program that looks like Disneyland, whoever's got the coolest lights and the coolest sound, whoever's got all of that, that those are the kind of things. You know, I want a church, that, and there's a consumerism mentality when it comes to church. Which church is meeting my needs? Only 10% said that the purpose of the church was to reach a lost world for Jesus. 90% of people think that the purpose of the church... Here's what I want to say about Life Church. At Life Church, we exist to move people toward their highest potential as Christ followers. I want you to hear something very important this morning. More important than our church getting bigger is you getting better. It's more important to us that you get better than that we get bigger. If we're not careful, the goal of the church can be just to grow. Why do we want to grow? So we can have more people. We can feel better about ourselves and all that. And don't get me wrong. I want the church to grow, and I think the church is going to grow, and I think we're going to grow in a healthy way. But more important to us than the church getting bigger is you getting better. That our purpose had better be about helping you to move from where you are toward reaching your highest potential as Christ followers. So what do we do? We do weekend services. We do what we're doing right now. We worship the Lord on a weekly basis. We also do small groups at our church. We do this thing that we're doing this afternoon called the Discover Life Classes. Those are hugely important to understand what it is that we're all about. Why do we exist as a church? What are my spiritual gifts and how can I fit in? I just want to say this morning, your experience of life church will go through the stratosphere if you move from becoming a spectator to becoming a participator. 
If you can move from, from, from just coming and, and, and uh, just sort of evaluate how you think church went that week to, to suddenly you're serving on an usher team or you're helping to set up or you're helping to tear down or you're helping with the sound of the lights and all that, your experience of the church will go so much higher when you find your place uh, of service. And so um, we believe that the church is to engage in real ministry one of the best ways that we do that is through small groups. In our small groups, that's where people care for each other within the church. If you're a part of a small group, you've got a group of people that's praying for you, caring for you, going to the hospital when you're in there, taking care of you uh, when you have uh, various kinds of needs. We have a local strategy, we have a national strategy, and we have an international strategy about, about uh, engaging in real ministry. Locally, it's our small groups, but in addition to that, we don't want to exploit the poor and the helpless. We want to help the poor and the helpless. So we've uh, partnered with a group called Water Angels Ministries, which is a church that meets on Sunday afternoons uh, to the uh, underserved population in, in uh, Knoxville and where they have church. For most of the church there will be homeless or, or underserved. And uh, starting in June, on June 8th, our church will be going down there. We'll be preaching in the afternoon, doing the praise and worship. And I'm telling you what, when you go to Water Angels, that place is packed out. Uh, you can't hardly get another person in the church. They are not just hungry for food, but they're hungry for the Word of the Lord, and they're hungry for their lives to be changed. And they don't come there apathetic. And uh, the last time we were there, Chris preached and did a great job. But we had the opportunity to lay hands on people and to pray for people. And we saw God do wonderful things at Water Angels. So starting in June, we're doing June, July, August, September. I think we're off in October because they were all signed up for. And in November and on Christmas, we're doing their Christmas service at Water Angels. And Life Church is partnering locally to care for the needy and the hopeless. I don't know about you, but I feel good about that. Do you feel good about that? Amen. Amen. Our national strategy, our national strategy is this. We believe that the best way to reach people for Christ is to plant churches. You say, why? We, we, we can't fill the churches that are there. Frankly, frankly, a lot of the church of Jesus Christ today is, is dead or dying or sick. And, 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 and most people that come to Christ today are coming to Christ through church plants. And so we are part of a church planting movement, and that movement helped us to get launched. They gave us $15,000 last year to do a marketing campaign and to get some of the stuff together that we needed to to plant this church. But now we are in the process of paying that forward, and we're seeing other churches that are going to be planted as a result of that. We're part of a church planting movement called the Ark. Let me tell you what the Ark has done so far. So far, we have planted 370 churches. Of those churches, $3 million has been given towards church planting. $8 million has been given towards global missions from those churches. 240 was the average church attendance on launch day of an ark church. 626 people last year gave their hearts to the Lord on launch day. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that exciting? And then our goal as, as being part of this church planning movement is that by the year 2020, we are going to plant 2,000 churches. How exciting is that? We're going to plant 2,000 churches uh, by 2020, and that's very, 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 very exciting to me. And so that's, that's our national strategy to, to plant 
uh, churches because that's what real churches do. They engage in real ministry. But we're also engaged internationally to care for the least of these. Steve and Marianne Kidd are uh, some of our favorite uh, missionaries that are in South Africa. Last year, uh, we built a house for a pastor who had six orphans dropped on their door. And our church at Christmas time, as small as we are, raised the funds uh, to build a house uh, for, for, the, for that pastor. We're going to, uh, we've got um, the brackets right now that are in, um, they're in Thailand. And they're reaching a population that is 99% not Christian. And they're in there teaching uh, the Alpha Course and introducing people to Christ. And uh, uh, they're working not only with people from Thailand, but people from China who've come across the borders. And so we've got an international strategy. Let me tell you something. Real churches do these kind of things. We're interested locally. We're interested nationally and internationally about how we can engage in real ministry. This, uh, this coming month, Melanie and Noah and I are going to be going to Kenya. The, the couple that was here last week, the Hardens, we're going to be with them, and we're going to be exploring how we can partner with them in a Bible school that they're beginning to, uh, that they're starting in Kenya to train ministers, um, local ministers right there in Kenya that can spread the gospel throughout that country. Uh, we're going to be going to a village called Gurumo. It, it, this is not, this is not uh, luxury missions that we're going to be on. I, I've stayed there before. I'm going to go to a place, and you'd like it, Koi, because there's no running water, there's no electricity, there's none of that stuff. We're going to be in a village that's so remote, you'd be right at home, like on the Appalachian Trail. But uh, we're going to be in, in a place uh, uh, that's very, very remote. When I went there last time, I was the first white guy that some people had ever seen. Now, would that be scary if I was the first one you'd ever seen? And, uh, and so that, that's literally some of the, the remote places that we're going to be in. My wife and I are going to hold a crusade. Right now, our face is being plastered, scaring the Kenyans all over that part of the country that we're coming uh, to, uh, to hold a crusade in that area. And we're going to dedicate a church that, uh, that the last church that I was a part of in Illinois had helped to build. And so now the church is built, and I'm going to go dedicate that church. If, uh, if you're interested in supporting that mission, Noah is still trying to raise money. He's within $1,000 uh, of uh, finishing. Uh, for, if not, he's going to have to uh, be on slave labor for the rest of his teenage years uh, if he doesn't raise that money. So uh, if you, if you want to support that Kenyan trip, I'm excited about Noah going. Noah's going to be our keyboardist and, and, uh, and musician there. Literally, to get, you said no electricity. We hook up a generator so he can play a keyboard in some of those uh, some of those places that we'll be in, but uh, more than that, uh, the Lord gave us some promises about Noah when he was still in the womb before he was born. That God had special plans for his life, and we're bringing him to Kenya and just seeing how God's going to use him. No pressure, Noah. Real churches engage in real ministry, and, and so so I just want to say at Life Church, we're not playing. We're serious. We're serious about doing real ministry locally. We're serious about not just being here so we can get bigger, but we're here so people can get better. And not exploiting the weak and the hopeless, but to empower people. The last thing that I want to say about real churches is that they're more interested in spiritual health than numerical growth. They're more interested in spiritual health than numerical growth. If we're healthy, by the way, we will grow. But the goal is not to grow. The, grow. the goal is to be healthy. Because, why do I say that? Because you can grow and not be healthy. 
Cancer grows, but it's not healthy. And it grows fast. We, you can grow a church in unhealthy ways, but we're interested in, in being a healthy church. There was a, there was a survey taken, a, an international survey on six continents where they studied a thousand churches across continents and, and they asked the question, what is it that makes a healthy church? And there were eight characteristics that, uh, that were defined as if you had these eight characteristics in a strong way, that you'd be a healthy church. Number one, that you had empowering leadership. In other words, you had leaders that empowered other people. That they were not just doing it all by themselves, but they were empowering people to find their gifts and to become ministers. This might be scary, but turn to your neighbor and say, you also have a ministry. Go ahead, turn to your neighbor. This is, this is, turn to your neighbor and say, you have a ministry. God doesn't make pastors like some special people that they do all the ministry, and then, we, and then we have this weird word. We talk about people being lay people. What's that mean, lay people? You just lay around while the ministers minister? You're not lay people. We're all ministers. That God gave us all spiritual gifts, and all of us have, have places that we can serve and be a part. Gift-based ministry. What this means is that we have people in healthy churches they put people, and this is a radical idea, they put people in areas of ministry that God actually gifted them for. In other words, people that work with kids actually like kids. You know, you know sometimes in churches it's dysfunctional. We're just, am I stepping on cords or something? Okay, okay, all right. We're doing Morse code up here or that people, that people like kids, that, that we have to do, that, that there should be a connection between what it is that God gifted you with and what you actually do. Now, what we tend to do in small churches, we just guilt people into doing stuff. If you love Jesus, we need volunteers in the nursery. You know, I, I just, you know, and you got somebody that can't stand babies. That's a horrible, that's a horrible situation. So gift-based uh, ministry. Passionate spirituality. Passionate spirituality. Healthy churches are, are on fire. They're passionate about Jesus. Another thing about healthy churches is they have effective structures. Now, every church has structures, but not all structures are effective. Do our structures make sense, or do we just do things the way we do them because we've always done them that way? You know what I'm talking about? You've got to have a structure that makes sense. And then the inspiring worship services. Are our worship services inspiring? Don't answer that question, all right, unless you think so. Uh, but anyway, so inspiring worship service, that what happens in our weekend, weekend services has the power that, that we leave differently than we came, that God could actually do something on Sunday morning that made it so that when we left this place that we would be different. Holistic small groups, that we have small groups that are, that are dealing with real-life situation. In our church we have small groups, and, and our small group leaders have the freedom to, to do their small groups on whatever they do, as long as they're short of sin, all right? So they're, they're, our small groups can be all kinds of, of studies. They can be studies over books of the Bible. They can be studies over a certain topic in the Bible. And so we've got all kinds of small groups for that. Need-oriented evangelism, that we do evangelistic uh, efforts that are meeting real needs. And then finally, loving relationships. Our, is our church loving relationships? Go to the next slide, if you would. On this next slide... These eight characteristics are, are, are compared to a, a barrel and, and staves in a barrel. And wherever 
whatever is the lowest stave in the barrel, that's where the water's going to run out, right? So if we're not effective, and we can be great in seven out of eight, but if we've got if we're cruddy in effective structures way down at the bottom, all the water's going to run out of that barrel, right? So it's not just important that you're good in seven of eight. We're trying to get better in all of those areas. And so the, the shortest stave in the barrel is called the minimizing factor. That's the factor that's causing our church to lose water. What's the water? That's the, amount, that's the people that are actually coming to church, the, the growth of the church. The church will continue, will, will not grow, and it will not grow healthy if we don't address the minimum factor. I'm going to show you an actual survey of these eight factors that we took one month after I, I got here. Uh, I got here almost two years ago now. So this, this survey was taken in July two years ago. And we took the survey, and, and just for those of you who are brand new, understand we had a wonderful former pastor that was here for 20 years, and sadly he died of a disease called mesothelioma and was sick for about five or six years at the end of his tenure. And so when I came here, there were 35 or 40 folks that had, and by the way, he was a wonderful, wonderful pastor, and his wife is our piano player, jo- Judy, right there, and she's gorgeous, by the way, too. I can say that because she's older than me. But <clears throat> And she's still a part of our team here. But the church had gone through a, a very, very difficult time through all of his illness and all that. And so... Um, just kind of trying to figure out what to do for the future, and they were so desperate they called me. That's pretty bad, isn't it? So anyway, uh, we took a survey of these of these eight characteristics, and here's what we... And by the way, when you get a 50, it's not like when you get a 50 on a test at school, you flunked, all right? 50 means that of, of, of churches, we would be right at... There would be 50 churches ahead of us and 50 churches below us. So if you're at the 50, you're right at sort of the even line of, of the churches that are above you and churches that are below you. So in empowering leadership, we were at a 50. Uh, in gift-based ministry, which is typical um, in smaller churches, we were a 42. Uh, in passionate spirituality, and this is a really good thing, and we're really proud of the, that when we came here, 68. Uh, by the way, the, the, the number 65, if you get 65 or better, that's considered healthy. If, if, they, if any church scores 65 or better in all eight areas, without exception, that church is a growing church. And so 68 in passionate spirituality. We were 37 in effective structures. That was our lowest stave. That was the lowest stave in the barrel where the water was coming out. Inspiring worship services were 57. A holistic small groups. We had a great small group ministry going, and it was 67. Uh, loving relationships. Uh, our church was considered very loving, 61. So, uh, so we were in well into the top half of the, of the country, or not of the country, in the world uh, in that area. Our average score was 53. I'm sharing that with you because we just took the test again last month, and I'm not here saying we've arrived or whatever, but you'll, you'll see that we've made some significant progress. Go to the next slide, if you will. This is the 2014 health report. In empowering leadership, we gained 15 points. 15 points I thought was really significant in terms of turning over leadership uh, to other leaders uh, in the church. Uh, The second one uh, was gift-based ministry. We we scored a 58 this time. We gained 16 points. We went up 16 points. Come on, you guys got a party about that. It's exciting. Come on, huh? Hey, hey, show us some love, huh? All right. Okay, and then uh, uh, 
passionate spirituality. We actually lost ground on that 59. We got a 59, which is still in the top half, well into the top half, but we actually lost nine points on that. Uh, I have a theory about that. I have a theory that when we were, when we were just starting out and 35 or 40 people, we were insiders, and we were all passionate because we were inside. Right now, our church is filled with people who are still just trying to figure out who we are. You know what I mean? So we've got a church that, that's filled with brand new people, which to me makes it really, really exciting. Okay, so um, passionate spirituality, um, and then uh, effective structures. That was our weakest one before. We've actually gone up 18 points in effective structures, which I feel really good about. Let's get excited about that. Okay, Uh, small groups, uh, 67, that was exactly the same, exactly the same. Did I miss one? Uh, inspiring worship service. Yeah, I wanted to miss that one on purpose because we actually went down a little bit. We went down four points on inspiring worship service. I think that some of that's still that same factor that we are a newer church now. We've got a lot of new folks coming. We're trying to figure out how we worship together and um, you know how we get fired up together and what's praise and worship and what's all this kind of stuff. You know what are what are all these lights on the stage? You know, it's just figuring that out. And I think as we get our sea legs together. Uh, that's going to go up because I think we got an awesome worship team and they're only getting better all the time and leading us into the presence of God. So uh, inspiring worship, what's the next one? The holistic small groups was exactly the same, which is very high, a 67. We're already over that 65 one. The next one, we had our most need-oriented evangelism, outreaches to the community. We grew 22 points. 20, that was our biggest. That was our biggest growth area, <clears throat> and I think that's because we've become intentionally evangelistic. We've done campaigns to to try to to reach this area of Knoxville, and even getting involved in the Water Angels. That's been uh, real exciting as well. Uh, and then loving relationships. We're almost exactly the same. We actually lost one point uh, on that, but our overall average went from fifty three to sixty. So we're up at 60 already, and I just, think that, I just think that's marvelous. We're moving in the right direction. So what you do when you take a test like this is you look at what, what your lowest was and say, now we're going to address that. So we're going to look at our worship service. How can we make it inspiring? How can, you know, how can we, uh, what can we do in our worship service that will make it more inspiring? And when you address the lowest area, it tends to have a positive effect on the other areas as well, just as when we addressed effective structures it uh, addressed the other areas. I know this is kind of teaching this morning, but is this okay to talk about what the purpose of the church is? I think this is really important for us to know and understand because I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of a real church. I don't want to just play church on Sunday morning. I don't want to just be in a church that wants to get big just to get big. I want to be a part of a church that wants to help you get better, not just us get bigger. Amen. 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 So God has no other plan. If you go ahead and come on up, Noah. God has no other plan than the local church. That, that's, Jesus died for the local church. It's, it's kind of become in vogue today, and I even talked to, to, to people uh, you know, in Knoxville. You know, I love Jesus, but I don't have much room for the church. Well, Jesus did. He died.